ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the East Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutch is sitting across from me. Greg, what's going on, dude? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Uh, Samantha just graduated. Uh, Congrats on that. Night. That was really cool. It was um, it was nice, you know, end of the journey. Man, it goes by fast, dude. It was just boom. Yeah. I remember bringing her home. I really do. A lot of people say it. And to see her uh, walk the stage. By the way, quick little insight. As you, a Christian school teacher and as I, a former Christian school teacher. Yep. The artist formerly known as school teacher. That's right. <laughs> um, I will say that. And I, I want to be careful here, but... I, Keep in mind they had like 437 students or something, yeah, right? Yeah, The thing got done in under two hours <laughs> with several um, speeches from congressional delegates. I mean, they were short. You know, right, right. I'd say everybody had it short. And they had a short little valedictorian speech, a short class president speech. They had a couple of you know, the seniors present their gift to the school, that kind of stuff. Dude, and what it is, and I've got to be careful here. This might not be just Christian school, private schools. Yeah. I have been to graduations, many in private Christian schools, with seven kids. Yeah. And it's like three hours. I know. I know. <laughs> it's it's almost like this thing that, well, because we have so few. Right. I'm like, you can do a meaningful yeah. with seven kids, 12 yeah. kids, one hour service. Yeah. That's meaningful, yeah. special. Just a little, yeah. uh, little observation I had, dude. I mean, you've you've been to a ton of graduations, I assume, right? Oh yeah, as a teacher through the years, and maybe has that been your experience that they're unnecessarily long? Oh yeah, well, and not only that, like when I graduated, I graduated from a private Christian school, and so yes. you know, it was about, I would say it was about two hours. Yeah, um, my graduation. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't more than that. Yeah, but yeah, I think two hours is is good. Yeah, I mean, know? it gives you time, you know, to because you do have. You know, you tend to have a lot more awards and things like that. You know, you tend to have uh, teachers who are closer to the students as a whole. So, yep. you know, they have things that they want to say. You know, you have the slideshows and all that stuff. Sure, and sure. Yeah, I mean, two hours. We we just had our eighth grade graduation down at the school that I teach at. Yeah. And um, it was just under an hour and a half. Uh, that's for, fine. You, there were 20, 23 students graduating just under yep. an hour and a half. That's fine. And it just... I, to me, I feel like when the flow works, yeah. it's fine. Yep. You know, it's it's when people are belaboring it, yes. and you're like, "What what is taking so long to get through this?" Stuff? Well, dude, I will say I went, and this, I'm sure it's just whatever that this is like 1999. It's a long time. I went to a uh, homeschool graduation, a, a kid in our church, a real nice kid. And ironically, it was up here in Harford County where we are taping. Yep. But I was living in uh, closer to Baltimore City at the time and drove up and uh, Sunday afternoon and dude, it was like over three hours for seven or eight kids, a homeschool graduation. And what they did is each kid, they like combined it. I always thought, do that in another venue. They had each kid do like a special presentation. Yeah. And I remember one of the girls did a song... uh, Two sets of Joneses, remember that? By, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that Big Tent Revival or Big Daddy Weed? Yeah, was, something it, like it was that. One of those yeah, dude, she does this. I mean, interactive like music video with all this intro that was like fifteen minutes, and then I realized, oh, each kid's gonna do something like that. <laughs> and then they had like testimonies about each kid from all the students. It's right. almost like, hey, just because you got a small number, right, doesn't mean you right. should go along. Right. Don't make it, dude. The, those parents, I looked around. 
dying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dying. But yeah. Well, and I can tell you one of the one of the schools that I um, formerly taught at, they would have each uh, student get up and speak. Yeah. And I just sat there scratching my head, going, "These are these are seniors in high school. What do they know right. that they could possibly <laughs> yeah. tell this group of grown adults? Yeah. And and what is it that I mean? The whole point of the commencement speaker is that this is somebody who has some years and wisdom on them, and are giving them advice and yeah. you know encouragement going out into the world. You know, these are a bunch of you know, part of my life, dumbass teenagers." <laughs> Who don't know anything yet. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sensor alert. Sensor alert. Um, you know, I think what you want to say is dumb gluteus mass. Yeah. <laughs> to keep it squeaky. Uh, dude, you have nailed it because, I mean, I get like the class president maybe that sure. speaks on behalf of the class. Sure. About whatever. But, uh, yeah, you're right. The commencement address is supposed to be a guy to, hey, I've gone down the road. I'll say this. The, the first guy that spoke at Sam's graduation – um, uh, well, probably, I don't know if I should share his name, but I can't even remember it, but his nickname is captain. Uh, he's a military guy. He's on, uh, one of the councils up here in the County mm-hmm. and he's, he served in a lot of roles, just instantaneously likable, man. Yeah. He, he got up and he said, 61 years ago, yesterday, I graduated Bel Air high school. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool right <laughs> yeah. there. I mean, a dude that was here 61 years ago, Yeah, I'm thinking, Okay, 15 years before I was even a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And then he said four years later, uh, he was commissioned in the Army, and yeah. he, he, he kind of had ever, all the veterans stand. It was very moving, and you thought, that guy's got more street credit. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude graduated high school. 61 right. years of post-high school life. Yes. And it's fun. I found myself wanting to listen. Yeah. Like whatever this guy had to say because yeah. this guy's lived some things. You know, it's funny because I'm automatically drawn to like older people when they start talking about life. Yeah, me too. You know, I, me too. to me, one of, the, one of the greatest travesties is that schools – I remember growing up, um, my mom was a nurse and, and she would work in retirement places and things like that. And she would yeah. constantly bring us kids in. Yeah. I remember for school trips, we would go and volunteer at the nursing homes. And I remember – and I know that the older people there got a lot out of it because they loved seeing the youth and they loved, you know, having those people just dote on them. But I remember just loving hearing their stories. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, tell me about you. What were you doing when you were my age? You know, and some of them, it's like, oh, I was I was off fighting in the war. I know. I know. You know, and it's just to me, it just blows my mind. And there's so much to be had there it's and learned there. Incredible, dude. And you think about like. There's only a few left of the uh, World War II generation. Yeah. I mean, a few more years, we're not going to have any yeah. anybody left to talk about that. There was a, a guy at uh, 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 the school your lovely wife teaches at, yeah. and I used to teach at, that where they brought in, I oh, was 10 or 12 years ago, who was a World War II vet, mm-hmm. and I was just riveted. And I, yeah. I'd say the kids were pretty good about it, but I, right. you want to say, do you guys realize? Like, I know. A few more years. I know. We're not going to have any of these guys. Yeah, that can that can give us first hand accounts. It's uh, it's incredible. It's like watch this brilliant podcast transition, Nathan. It's like a first hand account of a person's <laughs> life. That's right. Like That's the right. ever popular S Town podcast. What, right. what? See, the language was not dropped in vain, Greg. It was not. Yes, <laughs> it was not. Because in case anybody uh, anybody is wondering, S Town is uh, poop town. Yeah, uh, and you can you can do your imagination. That's or, right. You know, let your imagination run wild if you haven't heard it. But yeah, probably many of our listeners have. Yeah, and so uh, Greg, just go ahead and um, give give the basic rundown yeah. of S Town. Yeah, man. I um, 
like a lot of people, uh, heard cereal, loved it. Cereal season one, um, uh, Adnan Saeed mm-hmm. and the uh, the whole uh, intriguing story. Of course, for us, dude, it's it's kind of a local flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, just my little, uh, it's it's not part of the story. It's just a weird moment. My first laptop that I ever bought or my old church bought was at the Best Buy that is featured on the Serial Podcast yeah. where the young lady was allegedly murdered yeah. um, in the parking lot, I believe, of that uh, that Best Buy. So anybody that listened to Serial across the country, it's weird. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that exact place. And right. no, I don't remember if there was a phone booth because that was uh, that became a, a big aspect of that story. Yep. So I loved uh, Serial. Serial was incredibly plot-driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, the characters were great as well. I mean, the real-life people, obviously. And Sarah Koenig, I thought, was masterful in the way she 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 did it. Uh, like a lot of people, Serial 2, I, I petered out on. It's probably a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I didn't even finish it. It just uh, I always felt if Serial 2 had been Serial Season 1... Yeah, it would have been yeah. oh, it was a sol- solid, interesting right. podcast. Season one would have been The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. You know, just you can't believe the place to which it took it. So um, I hadn't soured on it. I thought I'd heard rumors they might do a third season. I'd certainly come back to it. The first was so good. Um, and then I started hearing all this about S-Town, started mm-hmm. seeing it on Facebook and Twitter and 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 all that. And I even I didn't even know what it meant. And then somebody right. said, oh, uh, okay, that's what it stands for. <laughs> Um, and it's the same people. Uh, it's uh, this American life, really. Uh, and uh, all you get a Sarah Koenig is the the uh, little five second. This is episode two, and that's right. all you're going to get from Sarah. Then a young dude named Brian Reed uh, mm-hmm. kicks in, and uh, got to be honest, it, it, you know, just all preference. I didn't like his voice, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, kind of. I don't know. I just didn't like it, and mm-hmm. I thought we'll see where this thing goes. But uh, he was called down to a little hick town, a little mm-hmm. S town in uh, nowhere, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, he um, met a guy named John B. McLemore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm going to walk the line of not giving everything away. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we should, should, is this the moment to say spoiler alert, Nathan, for anybody? Yeah. We're going to have to talk about some. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about yeah. some. And, I mean, you can actually, you can Google John B. McLemore yeah. and, and you can, you know, look him up and, you know, get all kinds of information on him. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and it's easy. And maybe we'll talk uh, for a few minutes, Nathan, generally about impressions, what we have yeah. of it. Yeah. Because I think we didn't see it the same way. Correct. Hear it the same way, which is good. And, by the way, here at our church, yeah. you're in the majority. Really? Uh, Mark Sweeney's been a guest on this. Yeah. Our executive pastor didn't dig it. Yeah. Josh Mitchell, who's been a friend of this podcast, yeah. didn't dig it. Um, I have some thoughts on that, too, that we'll, we'll, we'll oh, get sure. into. So. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've, I've got some, some theories as to why certain people would like it or not like it. Yeah. And I, I totally get it. But uh, where Serial is kind of your classic murder mystery, yeah. S-Town starts like that, yes. as you know. There's... Brian Reed is brought down to this nowhere town because this very eclectic, unique mm-hmm. guy, John B. McLemore, mm-hmm. who's got the thickest accent, yeah. uh, which I can't even do right. I think I just sounded like Bill Cosby when I did it. <laughs> you put the pudding, popped in the pudding, pudding. Wait, can, can I imitate Bill Cosby? Is that, <laughs> is that unkosher? <laughs> put the pudding in the pudding, popped. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you can you can tell this. My podcast time is running out because I just don't care. Um, 
But uh, whatever John B. Blackmore's <laughs> accent is, brilliant guy. Yeah. I mean, he in many ways, his mind runs like the late Robin Williams. Yeah. Where it's just nonstop, frenetic pace, passionate about a lot of issues mm-hmm. like global warming and yeah. climate change and uh, the yeah, crime and uh, lack of education, particularly in his part of the woods. And he calls it an S-town because right. he hates where he lives and where he grew up. And he invites Brian Reed down there because um, there is this uh, murder that's taken place mm-hmm. that he has heard about from many people. That uh, kid from a rich family allegedly killed this other dude in some kind of an altercation, bar fight mm-hmm. or parking lot fight or something. And uh, that the police have just covered it up. Yep. And so you're kind of getting all these details on that. And then you quickly find out that's not what the podcast is about. Yeah. Like I just t- that story goes away quickly, right? Well, and I I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say because it's within the first episode, yeah. that you find out that, first spoiler, yeah, that this is this has been just a series of rumors and miscommunications. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do find that out. And even um, what's intriguing is he's talking to to John B. McLemore and Brian Reed, like any good investigative journalist, is doing just thorough, meticulous mm-hmm. research. You know, he's, yeah. He's, he's in these Hick libraries looking basically at microfilm right. of newspapers from the time that this crime in 2015, 2014 allegedly took place and uh, can't find anything. Yeah. And when he keeps sharing things with John, he doesn't seem that interested. Yeah. He's like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. And you're kind of scratching your head thinking, this is weird. And then you do. You find out. That the whole thing, I think there was, wasn't there like an altercation? Yeah, there was an altercation, but it was... But it, nobody, yeah. nobody died. Right. I don't think anybody pressed charges. Right. It was just kind of just a domestic squabble type thing that that, that went away. And um, that, Nathan, can I'll put you on the spot. Yeah. A lot of people I've talked to about S-Town felt duped. Yeah. And is that, would that capture your experience? It, yeah. My initial thing was oh i thought this is going to be like another serial yeah where because that's how they promoted it i would agree i i believe that they intentionally misled in their promotion to get people interested to get people hooked i totally agree um and and so as a result yeah within the first um within the first episode you're like okay where's this going yeah and it held my interest because there was still a lot of intrigue to another death that occurred mm-hmm. on the podcast. Yep. Um, so very shortly into the podcast, you find out, well, there actually there there is a death that has happened. Yep. And so there's a lot of intrigue around, was this a suicide? Was this a murder? Yep. Was this an accident? What's going on with this, with this one person that has died? Yep. And and so you keep listening to to kind of gather the details of what's going on. Still thinking yeah. this is another uh, kind of serial esque type podcast. Yeah. And so once you get to the end and you realize, you it know, isn't. right? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that was the biggest issue that I had with it at that time. Yeah, um, I've come to have other issues with it that I uh-huh. think could have still made it better. Interesting. Um, since then, but but that was my biggest issue with it at the time. Having listened to it, yeah. How did how did you kind of get over that, Greg? Because I'm mm-hmm. sure you listened to it with that same thought process I that did. this is there's something more going on here. There's sure. more of a conspiracy. There's more, and and then at the you find out at the end, nope, 
this. Yeah, I uh, let me do this, Nathan. Let me give first official, like, if you're listening and you've heard enough now, like we've talked very generally. Yeah. Uh, and you might say, hey, I've listened, you know, heard these guys uh, riff on graduations a little and now right. a little bit of S-Town. Uh, this might be the spot to pause it and say, hey, if I ever it, listen to yeah, it, listen yeah. to it, I'll come back to yeah. it. And if you don't plan on listening to then it, then you can keep you listening. You can just keep and, listening. Yeah. And, and you might find it interesting for coffee conversation or water cooler conversation. Um just so you know, John B. McLemore, who's the main guy, mm-hmm. is a again a very brilliant man. He's yeah. a clockmaker, yeah, and horologist. As, yes, horologist. Thank you, Nathan. I couldn't remember the term, and um, that's a an important aspect of the story. It's sort of the the theme that Brian Reed starts with and and mm-hmm. tries to end with, kind of in, in a narration role. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a uniquely gifted man, you find out. Uh, Brilliant. People from genius. Oh, all over the world yeah. were seeking this guy's um, uh, opinion. I remember the one guy said, who was a clock expert himself, mm-hmm. uh, that he brings this very, uh, you know, uh, antique clock, mm-hmm. antiquated clock to uh, John McLemore and cusses like a sailor. And, right. You know, he's always drinking as he's working and he, he's got these very. Uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, eccentric uh, methods. He's a very eccentric person. And uh, there's a scene where uh, the guy says, I couldn't believe it. Uh, John figured out uh, sort of a missing piece mm-hmm. on the face of the clock. And he watched him for hours file it by hand, mm-hmm. which means he had the picture basically in his mind. Yeah. And went at it. I mean, can you imagine more tedious work? I, I remember, like in metal shop, dude, in high school, filing something for like thirty seconds. Like this sucks. <laughs> like this, this is awful. I don't want to do this. And um, he files it by hand, gets it just perfect. That's the kind of guy he was. You find out at the end of the second episode, John B. McLemore has taken his life. Yep. Uh, and I would say that was pretty jarring. Yeah. You know, you hear that, and you're like, whoa. Uh, and I would say, Nathan, that's a long way of answering your question. That background was important for me because you are thinking, okay, where's all this, all this leading? And I think it was just a, a risk that was going to capture some listeners and lose others. It, it did capture me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say what happened was I, I totally agree. I think they 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 hooked an audience mm-hmm. in many ways through false right. advertising. Um, I think it was definitely a uh, – a, uh, a red herring, this whole yeah. oh, new serial, new murder mystery. And then you're kind of left deciding, is this guy's life story, mm-hmm. John B. McLemore, going to intrigue me or not? I can totally see how, for a lot of listeners, not that there wasn't any interest there, but it just wasn't enough. You right. felt sort of like, what? Kind of a pointless little splash of life here, splash of life there. I don't know why, Nathan. It's not like... Um, uh, I had some filter in my mind that they had to pass through to satisfy me. I just, uh, I've listened to it twice now, mm-hmm. listened to it once on my own and once uh, with Lisa when we took uh, Samantha to a college trip. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, here's how I view it. It kind of felt like life to me. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you think there's going to be this interesting plot. You think there's going to be uh, this interesting uh, adventure and then at the end, oh, no, none of that materialized, but I'm left with like a life, mm-hmm. which I know sounds a little bit lofty and poetic, but it really felt like that to me. I just found myself for days thinking, 
about John B. McLemore. Mm. And I can tell you why in a bit. But that sure. – that, Everybody I've talked to, I talked to Mark and Josh yesterday. I told yeah. them we were doing this podcast, and they they basically, and I get it. They said many of the things that you've said that it was just just a a, a setup with kind of a crap sandwich delivery is how right. they felt about right. it. Right. And to me, I think one of the things, and this is this is where, in in retrospect, I think I would have enjoyed the podcast more. Um, Brian Reed had much time to formulate opinions and to mm-hmm. get facts where with serial you were getting information sometimes same minute as Sarah Koenig yeah. is presenting the information. She has not had time to form her opinions and to do yeah. the, the kind of back work in terms yeah. of processing and thinking through her thoughts on things. Good point. And to me, I feel like if that's how it was coming at me, I would have appreciated more. More of a real time. Yeah. Don't know what to do with it. Exactly. Not sure how I feel. Yeah. I uh-huh. think I think it would have captured me more and I would have been more captivated by it. Because uh-huh. but it feels like, okay, so they've had a long time to set this up. Yeah. Um, because this was this aired in the just this year, correct? Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of months back. And the story actually started back in what was it, twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen? It was around that. It was it was at least three years ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. So you you know, there's been all this time to kind of fill in gaps and to make, you know, these ideas solid and more concrete. Sure. And to me it's it, it's like you said, it was a life. Yeah. And that's intriguing to a certain extent, but yeah. like I didn't know the dude. Yeah, no, I you I know, know, and so yeah. for me, like the relatability of, yeah. you know, what's going on, I just there's there was too much missing in the life and in the backstory in order for me to really to really appreciate this as yeah. a documentary piece I, I, in that regard. I think that's fair, Nathan. I'm not just saying it. I'm not like saying it to, to then to say, well, let me tell you why you're wrong. Right. I mean, I really, I see it. I, in some ways, Nathan, I, honestly. I think it, it hooked me at one point mm-hmm. that was enough for me, and it, it's because I've been thinking a lot. And remember when we had Sam Alberry on several yeah. months back? Yeah. Uh, and uh, John B. McLemore, mm-hmm. uh, hard to necessarily identify. I think we would say he was uh, sexually ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, he, he would say that about himself. That's what he yeah. said. He said, I've kind of uh, been on both sides of the plate. And, right. you know, he was definitely had. had Engaged in homosexual, um, uh, you know, relationships, activity, heterosexual as well. He seemed to say, and they, he Brian Reed kind of sat on that because I kept wondering. Okay, here's a guy mm-hmm. who is brilliant, who in some ways couldn't be living in a worse place mm-hmm. for him. He's he's an intellectual. Uh, he's socially awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives in the deep. Deep, deep south. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you notice, it, they didn't talk about it too much, but kind of the uh, Bible church on every corner somewhere. Right, and right. He, he talked about Jebus. Oh, they believe Jebus is coming back. Right. And he kind of had this little shtick that obviously he was indicating it didn't really, the story of the gospel did not captivate him. Um, but I'm thinking of this guy, and the whole time I keep thinking, here's a guy who is brilliant, who is sexually confused, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the term is. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Sam Albury liked the SSA term, the same-sex attraction, right. that, that's a little more about you know, the battle than it is the identity. Right. But I'm thinking, uh, 
the whole time, Nathan. I, I, I'm going to try not to get emotional. I know it sounds weird. I choked up several times because I kept thinking, has this guy met one person in his life mm. who was just like an unconditionally loving Christian guy? Yeah. That affirmed him for his his brilliance. Right. That I, I just kept thinking, like, how sad yeah. to be a a a gay man or uh, to have this this identity crisis, the sexual crisis in a place where he knew or thought, um, I'm not going to have anybody really, uh, talk to me at the deepest level. Uh, and, and maybe there were, cause right. I want to be careful not to stereotype, sure. sure. but I think even our listeners would say, um, probably few and far between. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I say one of the things I've done is I've looked up churches in that area just in the last uh, few months mm-hmm. since I listened to uh, Syria or uh, uh, S-Town. And you do see a lot of, can I say, uh, Reverend yeah. James King-esque right. churches. Yeah. So something about that just grabbed me, yeah. which isn't even what they were trying to do. Right. It was the it was the effect that I brought to the table. You right. know, it's sort of the postmodern. What right. does the listener or reader sure. bring? And I'll admit it, I brought some of my own concerns and uh i just kept thinking was this guy ever just honestly genuinely unconditionally loved by anybody yeah um i don't know i mean the one the one or two characters that seemed to come kind of close don't know if they were christians necessarily mm-hmm. the one guy was a, another gay man right um who indicated in a in a pretty uncomfortable scene if you remember mm-hmm. those details where he's describing Josh and I talked about yesterday how he wanted to kind of pull up his shirt, right? Kiss around his belly, right. and I, Yeah, I probably could have done without that. That was right. a little whoa, man. But it, at the same time, it's you know they're they're talking to people about their honest feelings, right. um, uh, emotions. But yeah, so for me, Nathan, it just felt like um, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm probably being a little hyper philosophical about it, but you know, you uh, some people I have loved uh, that have died. And you kind of think when they're alive, life is sort of like a plot. Oh, where are they working? Uh, what are their goals? Right. Where are they potentially moving? Yeah. You know, you're looking at a plot. Then they're gone. Yeah. And the plot kind of evaporates. Yeah. And it's more, who who was he? Yeah. You know, and I, I, I just found myself thinking, I would have loved, not that I'm some hero. Sure. Just a living room conversation with right. John McLemore if he would have had one night. Right. And uh, to pick his brain. And it did – a few things helped me at the end. Uh, you, you remember the whole – was it the mercury poisoning yeah, angle? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I thought, man, this guy sounded like he had a plan to kill himself for years. Right. Didn't he? It yeah. Was oh, just... yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, very clear that he suffered from uh, depression, bipolar. I mean, who knows what else. And then they bring this idea of the mercury poisoning into yeah. it. Um, you know, and it's interesting because, um, Brian Reed talks about the, 
you know, the idea that he'd exhibited, you know, X, Y, and Z symptoms, but he really didn't have these symptoms over here. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I, sc- I was scratching my head because I was like, well, that's the thing with symptoms is that people, that's why there are so many of them. So many. Yeah. Not everybody gets to the same set. Right. Agree. You know, yeah. and so to me, like the more I, I was thinking about it, the more I was like, well, it seems like this is a more plausible Agree. reason yeah. for for what happened to him and and really there was like this this change yeah. you know and people talk about well this is what he was like before and this is what he was like after and here's kind of the time frame where he started just really you know going as they were just going nuts yeah. you know just completely irrational yeah. and um you know and so to me i you know i i think that you know that probably had a lot to do with it in my opinion yeah um, you know, and you mentioned, because I had thought about some things like that, you know, I wonder if there are people, but, um, if I'm not mistaken, he talked about reading the Bible, you know, I'm, and, sure, I'm sure he read it. Yeah. And so to me, like, I always scratch my head and I think about geniuses that are around like Richard Dawkins and Michael mm-hmm. Hitchens and those people, they're arguing with what are arguably some of the greatest minds on the Christian side of things, Ravi Zacharias, Sam Alberry. And to me, I I look at those things and I'm like, would I just get frustrated and beat my head against a wall yeah. if I was trying to talk to this person? Right. Oh, or, oh you know, and yeah. like, you know, and again, not that I shouldn't, but, you know, I was – I'm going back and I'm reading um, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Oh, I try yeah. to read that about once a year, that yeah. American Christianity. And um, I just finished the section where you had the – uh, theological thinker mm-hmm. talking about and speculating about, you know, well, if if I have an honest view, how could I possibly be, be denied heaven? You know, mm-hmm. this is my true view of things. And, you know, he, he ends with saying, you know, I'm going, I'm going back down to what we find out is hell mm-hmm. to, to have a discussion about Christ and how he might have changed his religious views mm-hmm. had he not been put to death. Yeah. Uh, you know, as early as he was, but yeah. given time and maturity, surely he would have had a different set of views and philosophy, you know, and it's funny because, you know, so many people come to my mind when I think about that. And yeah. to me, this is the type of person that John B. McLemore was, uh-huh. you know, the, you know, there, there is nothing that you could put forth and say that was really going to get through. Right. Right. You know, well, I, I would agree, Nathan. I think that's why. Maybe me saying having a conversation is, is that would be for more personal interest. Sure, sure. Um, what that guy I think needed. I mean, it's what we all need. And I, you, you wondered, did he just have a guy that loved him, right? Uh, kind of unconditionally, because you could tell there was such a deep seated insecurity in him. Remember right. when it kept coming out with even yeah. Tyler, who's sort of the main other character, right? That I will say, I do have some frustrations with that. Pardon me, all the time spent on gold bars, right? Um, whether Tyler had some mastermind plan, it just it felt like that. I mean, I was a read new because he yeah. he did the podcast as a finished product, yeah, and it was it, it was theater. I felt yeah. it was there to kind of keep the listener um, uh, entertained. And by the way, if you're still listening and haven't listened, uh, there is no gold to be found, literally, because right. uh, it was thought that uh, Macklemore might be a millionaire who right. just uh, was unbanked and and stashed all of his money. But I thought. Um, when they showed in his early years, he was one of the basically the town planners of that little town, yeah, uh, that little S town, and he was happy. Yeah, he was working with this woman 
who he seemed to have affections for, and uh, things changed when another man came into her life. Right. And that was uh, John B.'s uh, kind of uh, chink in his armor all the time, mm-hmm. that he would have a, a woman or a man in his life right. that he seemed to just love their company, love their time, love their attention and conversation, and he was so possessive. Yeah. When that person kind of had another a significant other, he more or less cut him off. Yeah. Or he would try to sabotage that relationship. So I'm th- I mean, it, obviously, a deeply broken man. Sure. A deeply broken man on air. And it was sad to me. And I just thought, man, is there was there anybody that got yeah. in there with the love of Christ and just yeah. loved this guy? Yeah. Uh, because you're right. The, the John B. McLemore in his full battle regalia – ready to fight right about global warming and right. the state of the economy and you know uh, uh child abuse stats and you're not going to make any headway right right yeah no and and i mean that's the thing like i you know i i enjoyed it for what it was um i think i think they could have done more with it and i think yeah. that's i think that's my you know disappointment with it it's you know and kind of going back, you know, you and I talk about the DC versus Marvel thing all the time, yeah. you know. My disappointment with DC isn't necessarily that the movies are bad. It's yeah. not that they're all they could be. Oh, yeah, I agree. And, and I, I agree. feel like I feel like this wasn't bad, but it wasn't all it could have been. Yeah. Um and again, part of that I think is, you know, the hype. Yeah. You know, you're getting this hype about something that really isn't there. Yeah. Uh and part of that is the fact that you're getting this after the opinions and thoughts have already been formed. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not having a chance to walk through this person's life with the interviewer and see the things that they're seeing and get the information that they're getting. Um, You know, the information that I'm getting is stuff that has happened two, three, maybe even four years ago at Mm -hmm. this point. Um, And so that's where I'm, you know, because actually I think, I think the original story, the original contact happened even a year before. I think so. Yeah, he had been emailing. Uh, yeah. Him. Yeah. So, um, you know, so really it's more like 2013 is when all this stuff is really, yeah. you know, beginning to take place and beginning to formulate. And um, yes. so to me, that's that's where I was kind of disappointed is you've got all this information. You know where you're going with the story. Yeah. Um, why don't you take us on the journey with you? I mean, you know, and again, it's difficult because, you know, they have timing and scheduling and all that. But, um, but to me that I think that was the more disappointing aspect of it is that I feel like I would have been more drawn into this man's life. Um, because I feel like it was a reflection of his life. I feel like the podcast in many ways reflected the, the randomness of his life and, and where that went. But uh, again, I feel like if I had gone on that journey with the interviewer, it yeah. would have been. Let me uh, represent a missing cast member's perspective today, uh, Nathan. Tracy Smith yeah. would have been invited to be, or was invited to be here. She really wanted to come. Tracy's been a, a, a three or four times on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yep. First Pastor's Wives, yep. uh, Stephen King. Yep. Uh, who else was she on with? I can't remember, but I feel like she's been on at least three yeah um anyway um uh, tracy was gonna come on to talk about s-town but she has bronchitis hope you feel better tracy by the time this is airing i always think it's weird to say that and somebody listens to this a year from now i know (laughs) 
Hopefully she's much better and hasn't had two new things. But um, Tracy uh, wasn't able to be here. She would have been in spasmodic coughing fits, I think. But she has an interesting theory that I've seen other people say similar things mm-hmm. uh, uh, regarding it online. Uh, that she tends to think the entire podcast is basically one more example of even Brian Reed, This American Life, getting played by John mm-hmm. B. McLemore. Is it possible? I mean, here's a guy that has kept a suicide note on file yeah. in his desk for seemingly endless years. Right. Uh, and he's very, he was very casual and dismissive about, oh, yeah, I'm not going to last. I'm going to take my life at some point. And, right. Um, you know, and Brian Reed would try to talk to him about it. You did find out there were people that cared because there were people that would say, don't do that, John. See a doctor. Right. Get some medicine. Get some help. Uh, you don't want to do that, John. And, um, you know, Tracy's uh, theory is that the entire – I mean, where did the murder thing come from? It came from John B. McLean. Right. Uh, who knew probably of the success of uh, Serial, uh, This American Life. How does a guy who knows he's pretty smart right. <laughs> and eclectic and unique yeah. in a bizarre part of the world to be that kind of guy? Right. How does he get a story told? And uh, is it possible, and I'm just throwing that's interesting, that he knew that he could hook Brian Reed into his world, mm. give him enough that's kind of stimulating, fascinating. I mean, the the maze, we haven't even talked about the maze. He's right. got this maze on his property. Have, have you looked that up? You can look it yeah, up online. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you think of Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, right. uh, not King's, who, uh, who did it rather differently, you've got that maze um, – on the property, and it's kind of a similar thing that he he put a lot of time and, and energy uh, towards. So I think Macklemore, is it possible that he, he knows that his story is podcast-worthy, mm. is attention-worthy, and, well, he's not going to get it any other way. Right. He, he, in other words, he had no access to platform or power yeah. in S-Town, Alabama. Yeah. But if he can get this big New York guy with this huge syndicate to come in and tell his story that's kind of intriguing because you wonder did he know he was going to even take his life right at some point and yeah there'll be enough that they'll they'll tell my they'll story, keep going yeah which would be it because that is what happened yeah and here are two guys in in harford county maryland right. talking about it this morning june of 2017 yeah so uh it's intriguing yeah no and and again there there are certain elements that i think are are fascinating, you know, and bringing, um, you know, one of the things that I remember um, thinking about it was, you know, as you said, there there is an element of it that is so uh, tragic in light of the gospel, yeah, you know, and just thinking, you know, thinking about, you know, that aspect of, you know, like you said, was there somebody there who who truly loved him? Was there a believer, you know, to come up and you know just walk beside him yeah. and, you know, say, Hey, you know what? Yeah. I, I know your life's a mess, but my, my life's a mess too, in a different way. Right. right. Um, and so, you know, no, you know, no judgments here. Yeah. Um, just, just love, you know? Well, and it's interesting, dude, you mentioned Hitchens Dawkins earlier. It made me think of, uh, I think it's the line and take my life and let it be the one line, isn't it? Take my intellect and use mm. every power yeah. as thou shalt choose. Yeah. And you just think, man, Oh, you you just wish you'd go back, John. You, I mean, you're you're incredibly talented. Yeah. You've got this creative impulse that is very. 
I mean, it's it's uh, Steve Jobs like. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Eric Clapton like. Yeah. And in in your own field, you've got this enormous talent. You've you've got this incredibly sharp mind, and it just it is tragic. Yeah. You know, just you see a guy literally who is broken. Yeah. Um, and you get these glimpses of beauty mm-hmm. in life. The again, I always think of that. You know, it's the uh, it's Piper's quote that I've referenced sometimes that even the uh, the speed and the skill on display in the bodily hacking of gladiators in the Colosseum. Right. E- e- that speed and skill, even in the the darkest, grisliest kind right. of context, reflects something of God's just stunning beauty, wisdom, power. Yeah. Um, you get these echoes. So I, I, it was one of those beauty and brokenness kind of things for me. Um, but, dude. I get why people didn't dig it. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say this. it's it, If you haven't listened, you want to listen to it, uh, almost be neat to take this podcast the way Nathan and I are kind of uh, riffing on it and kind of see where you fall. Yeah. You know, because uh, Lisa liked it. Um, so I wasn't sure because we often view things differently. Mm-hmm. Many husbands and wives do. Didn't like it entirely for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, she she liked it. Uh, and it's about 50-50 with me now when I talk to people. But here at our church, man, well, no, Sean Nolan also been a guest. He mm. liked it. Okay. And he said, yeah, man, Sweeney and Mitchell were wrong. <laughs> I said, I know. They're not as enlightened and godly uh, as we are. So, Nathan, there's still time for you to catch up. That's right. That's I'm praying right. for you, man. Well, you know, I, it's funny because I still have yet to even finish – uh, cereal. Oh, that's I think, right. I think I had like two podcasts left yeah. and then like the whole explosion, everybody started talking about yeah. it and how it ended. And I was like, uh, eh, I'm not, I know what you mean, dude. So yeah. And that would be like, yeah, I'm two thirds of the way, uh, through the six cents. Yeah, exactly. And then like, I don't think I'm going to watch it anymore because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bruce Willis is dead. Right. So yeah. Absolutely. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Movie that came out, uh, 18 years ago. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. And and that's, you know, I think um ultimately, you know, I I would hope that this you know, this story for, you know, for for listeners would be an encouragement, you know, to to get into the messy part of people's lives. Agreed. Agreed. You know, to to be that person who, you know, is willing to love. And again, you know, when I talk about no judgments, I don't talk about compromising on the gospel. Yeah. You know, I mean, clear, you know, we know clearly that people, you know, that Christ is the only way to God, the father, and that message needs to be preached loud and clear. Um, But that also what that means is that, you know what, we can, we can approach people in a way where we say, Hey, can, can we set aside your objections on X Uh and talk about Christ and focused on and focus on Christ? And I think people have a hard time doing that. They have a hard time separating well, the Bible says this, and so this is wrong. Yeah, it does, but but the Bible also says that we're dead in our trespasses, and yeah. God makes us alive somehow so yeah. that we can receive who Christ is and Absolutely, and yeah. let the Holy Spirit change us. Yeah, you know. And I'm coming more and more to appreciate that aspect. That you know what, if if John B. McLemore had become a Christian. He could have struggled with his homosexual tendencies. He could have been living in that kind of sin for years yeah. before the Holy Spirit did a work in him yeah. to change him. Yeah. And I think sometimes we just we get on our high horse and we have these issues that really why, why don't we let God worry about that? Yeah. You know. Well, I think dude, how how many John B. McLemore's were there when Jesus was in those homes? Yeah. 
those sinners parties, yeah. Levi's. I mean, yeah. uh, the wedding at Cana. How, how, I mean, we just, how much mess yeah. was there? I mean, we only know, I've always found the character study series, they have a place. I'm, I'm not, I mean, mm-hmm. um, uh, MacArthur does like the Master's Man, and sure, and they, you know, I mean, Peter, you get a lot of info about Peter. Right. I always feel like you know, you get a little about Matthew, some James and John, right. and you know, uh, Thaddeus, not so much. Uh, so you get, or you know, Bartholomew, but right. you, you, uh, so you go by tradition. But I mean, the 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 bottom line, we don't even know the depth of those guys. Right. I know this; they were broken, yeah, like we are. They were messy, like we are, and you just think, man, yeah, Jesus was. He was with these people. Yeah. He was with these John B. McLemore. Yeah. Like us. And what what was it like? Yeah. Like, I would love to see a video of that. What did he say? How, how did he posture himself when there were just, uh, you know, sort of rank, uh, off-color stories and jokes and, you know, people were really spilling out their venom and their yeah. misery in life. Like, you, you just, I, I, what I do know, you know he was there. Yeah. And he was a friend of sinners. And I remember Hartland said one time on a podcast, I loved it. Uh, it was in early on. He said, "Yeah, I just love that phrase, Jesus, friend of sinners. I love picturing some ruffian, rough and tumble guy sees right. Jesus walking down the other end of the street. Goes, hey, that's that's Jesus. He's he's my buddy. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, it's just a cool thought. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and I think about you know the woman at the well and how Christ yeah. approaches her. Oh yeah. And you know, there's never once any indication that he, there's condemnation in his voice. Yeah. That he's looking down on her. Yeah. You know, she tries to evade questions uh-huh. and you know tries to misdirect. He's not going to have any of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's he's going to you know be honest with her. But th- there's just such love and compassion coming oh, okay. from him. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, love that. Love that. So gets his foot in the door. Yeah. And um, I love when she comes back and and says. Uh, tells her her townspeople, come see a man who knew everything I've ever done. Yeah, that's a profound statement because I've always thought if I know anything, that you know everything I've ever thought or done. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move to the other yeah, side of the world. I don't want to ever see you again. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, no, 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 that's too much. I can't believe my worst thoughts, my darkest, mo- you know, all this. Yeah. And, but the, so the implication of her saying that uh, to me, the only way to go is that she's understood supernaturally in that encounter. Yeah. And there's grace. Yeah. And he loves me. Yeah. In spite of it. Like what it's the old perfect love drives out fear. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it's just, a. The, 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 you're right. These kind of stories, the John B. Macklemore yeah. stories, you know, that, that give us these people in their raw, uh, you know, warts and all, uh, uh, you know, snapshot in life. It, it really, uh, it really highlights the grace of Christ in a, yeah. in, in a unique way. So, yeah, I, I'd be curious what our listeners think. Those that have uh, heard it, those that will, yeah, weigh in. Let us know if you're uh, if you're uh, on on my side of the ledger or Nathan's, because <laughs> I'm just curious, almost as a social experiment, how how it how it resonates with people. Sure. Yeah, no, and um, you know, maybe we can do at some point uh, in the fall, Greg, kind of a follow up to this as well. So yeah. we'll get you know some questions and thoughts, and maybe you and I can carve out some time and sit down and do a follow up. That'd be awesome, man. It could be the first pop back in. That's right. Check on the podcast. You know, when when Hartland's faltering. That's right. <laughs> when he realizes he can't bring the professional podcast brilliance. <laughs> yeah, would you Would you send this excerpt to Steve? That's right. So he can hear it, and he might need me to come in. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know he's worried about it too, man. Oh yeah, I bet Steve's been up every night. He's sweating bullets yeah. over this one. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably thinking, "Yeah, I can finally talk now." The Dodgers gone. 
so good. good. Uh, that's great. Well, man, this has been uh, this has been awesome, fun one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we look forward to uh, to our audience listening. And uh, we're gonna go ahead and sign off, Greg. We just rocked the Casbah, S Town style. These go to eleven.